so much for having me. I woke up this morning and I was just burning. I was buzzing. I was so excited to come and um, get to share a message that is one of my heart messages and really um, something that the Lord has, I guess, walked me into. So Liam and I have known each other for a long time. I was thinking when I was driving here today, I actually have two um, Liams in my phone, Liam Swain in my phone. And it's more than once that I've actually called the wrong one. I've called his old number, which is the first number I had from when we were living in Reading. (laughs) So I've just sent text messages or called the wrong Liam. But anyway, I should actually just delete that number. Um, I have a bunch of slides today. I work in marketing. I'm a um, creative strategist. I work for a big advertising agency um, on St Kilda Road. And so I love my slides. So hopefully, um, for those of you who are visual learners, which I am one, hopefully this is going to help you. But also, um, kudos to my amazing slide woman over here who's going to try and keep up with me. So we might just flick on through. Um, as Liam said, about 12 years ago, I wrote a book called Bus Stops and Bicycles, a handbook for single ladies. I definitely did not want to write a book about singleness. It was not on my plan, um, and I very reluctantly did it, but God has done some amazing th- things through that as well, and let me, I guess, share in Australia and in different places around the world about my story and just encouraging people who are single. And then recently, in um, June of this year, I released a book called Wisdom, God's Plan for Getting Unconfused. Um, And I've been working on that one for the last couple of years, and I'm going to share a little bit about that today as well. So I just wanted to start, I don't know about you guys, but I have found the last few years kind of interesting to say the least. So for me, and I know every person in this room has a story, for me, I was living my dream life in Queensland. So uh, one of the the good things about being single in your 30s is that you kind of get to do what you want where you want. And so I felt the invitation from God, I wouldn't say God told me to go at all, but just an invitation to move to the sunny coast and just live life up there for a while. And the job that I was working at the time said, yep, they're a bit progressive at the time. They said, yeah, you can work remotely. So I I went up there and I was, you know, I'd I'd wake up every morning and I'd get on my cruiser bike and I'd cruise down to the beach and I'd have a surf and then I'd have a coffee. And I was like, I am living everyone's dream. Like everyone goes on holidays to Noosa and goes, oh, we should live here. And I was like, I do, I do. I live up on the sunny coast. This is amazing. So anyway, at the start of 2020, living my dream life, um, and I got offered a short-term, like a six-month contract in Darwin, and it was a really good professional opportunity, and I thought, yeah, why not? Let's go on another adventure. So I got offered the job on Friday. Um, I moved on the Sunday. I started work on the Monday, so it was all really quick. And then on Tuesday, I was made redundant. And this was just as the world was shutting down, and they were saying, we're about to shut the interstate borders. And I was like... I'm stuck in Darwin without a job. (laughs) And I've just packed up my house in my dream life on the sunny coast. And what am I going to do? And so I had to make a really quick decision. Ended up, I was like, you know what? This pandemic, it won't last for very long. I'll just go back to Melbourne (laughs) with my family and stay with them for a couple of weeks, then head back to the dream life in Queensland. You guys can guess where this story is going, right? (laughs) So I ended up got the last plane from Darwin back to Melbourne. Um, the apartment that I own was leased out, so I couldn't live there. So then I went, um, lived with, with my sister in Swan Hill, which is a very small town, um, not very tropical, um, up in, near, on, the, on the Murray River. So I lived there for a couple of weeks, 
helped her homeschool her kids. And I remember just being like, what is this? Like, what? I was meant to be doing great things. <laughs> and then the rest of that year, um, I moved house four times. And basically the way I worked it was, if there was a lockdown, I thought, now's a great time to move. <laughs> and I would just move places and places. And to be fair, I had an incredible bunch of family and friends who supported me and opened their homes and whatever. But in the midst of all that, there was also this, like, kind of overseas, long-distance relationship that was on again, off again, really messy. And I look back at that year and I was like, man, that was pretty traumatic for me. And it was really confusing. There were a lot of times that I was like, God, I don't know where you are in all of this because I thought I was following you and I thought I was doing all the right things as well. I thought I was being obedient and this is not really how I thought things would work out. And I, I look back and I go, like, I've got a really long history with God and I've and I look back and I go, that time was probably the time where I had the most questions for God. And, and some of it came from an entitled place of just being like, I did all the right things, God. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> you know, why is this not working out? Um, but the more people I've talked to, and I'm sure looking around this room, um, everyone has had some, some times in the last couple of years. And you might also have had some questions, some disappointments, some challenges of like, I just don't know um, why, this is, why this has worked out the way it has. And when we look around, I might flick on, yeah, to this next slide. So if you look around beyond the four walls of our church, life's pretty intense out there. It's not like, oh, we just got through the last couple of years and now everything's okay. So in my role, um, I work in the strategy department, so I get to read a lot of research and reports. And being a part of a big organisation, we actually have people there who, who go out and we research and like survey thousands of Australians every week. And then I get this monthly report in my inbox basically saying, this is how Australia is feeling right now. Like, this is kind of the temperature of, of how people are feeling. And it's fascinating and really, really challenging too. I think the one that I read recently in the last week or two said that more than half, so four, or not more than half, sorry, almost half, 49% of millennials and Gen Z, which is basically every under, everyone under 40, which is half of um, Australia, are feeling stressed and anxious most of the time. More than half young people are feeling stressed and anxious most of the time. And they list out all of the things that are going in on, you know, like cost of living and inflation and um, climate change, unemployment, all these things are like very, very stressful for people. I think a lot of people are just wondering like, I'm not sure what life is meant to look like. Um, and instead of feeling excited about the future, a lot of this research is saying, generally, people are just feeling afraid really unsure and really afraid. Um, then if we click to the next one, I, when I was having a chat to one of the, um, the lead researchers the other day, and he said the main thing that he's hearing from it, um, and particularly from young people, but really across the board, is this, this sense of like, this is just not how my life was meant to be. This is not how things were meant to have turned out. Um, and I think... We can kind of go, oh, that's people out there. But I reckon even in here, a lot of us, and I know for me, even with the really solid foundations of faith, I still had these questions of like, this isn't really how I thought life would turn out. And God, where are you in all of this? Flick to the next one. 
For many of us here, we've heard the simple gospel, and I know this church is so good at teaching the foundations of Jesus and what he did for us and just staying true to, like, just the simple gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He rose again. He brought us new life. I don't know about you, but sometimes that makes sense, and then sometimes I step out into this really, really complex world And I'm like, oh, there's all these questions that I'm facing and all these things that I'm seeing. And I'm just actually not sure sometimes how this simple gospel that I know, that I know deep in my heart is true, how it makes sense out here in this complex world that I'm having to walk through every day. Like, how do I make sense of this really practically in my everyday life? And I reckon even just, um, I guess, through my own research and talking to people, I've realised a lot of people kind of have that question, but we're too afraid to ask it or to verbalise it because we're like, oh, what if everyone else gets it and everyone else kind of knows how this simple gospel works in this complex world and I don't, and so I don't really want to admit I don't really know how this all works, you know? And we all get caught up. Good news today, everyone. I have the answer. Get ready for it. It's probably not going to be a surprise to you since I've already told you what my book is about. But I reckon what stands between the simple gospel and this complex life, the thing that we're missing is wisdom. It's this missing piece. We live in a world where we have more access to information than any previous generation that's lived before us. We are so informed. We can basically get the answer to anything at the end of our fingertips at any moment. And yet, we've really lost the value of wisdom. It's not something we really talk about. It's not something we even could articulate very well, apart from this vague sense that we know that we need it. Um, I've realised wisdom is having a complete PR crisis right now. Not many people really know what it is. Some people think that wisdom, go to the next one, is this. Gandalf, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, Gandalf the Grey, if you've watched the whole thing, Gandalf the White, I think he goes to. Um, he's this, like, you know, mystical character with a big white beard and he shows up in the, to the, in the moments of need and he kind of, like, utters these one-liners and you go... Oh, that's brilliant, you know? That's, that's, that's wisdom. I'll flick on to the next one. This is a little controversial showing this in church, but for those who know, Dumbledore as well, if you were allowed to watch Harry Potter when you were a kid, um, he also a lot of people would go, yeah, that's, that's kind of wisdom. He's got the white beard. He kind of comes up in the moments of need. Go to the next one. Old people, they're wise, right? They're the ones who, it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's kind of like wise as in they just give you boring, sensible advice. They're generally wearing cardigans, you know, like that's, that's kind of, that's wisdom, just the stuff that old people want you to do. <laughs> I said that in a room that my mum was in and she was wearing a cardigan and she was very offended. And I, should, I should take it out of, my, um, out of my talk. Move to the next one. Yeah, so... If we look at what our culture thinks wisdom is, 
there's all these cultural oracles, you know, like everyone's onto the TED Talks and the podcasts and the books and the blogs. And Oprah was probably the first one to start this like cultural wisdom thing. But, you know, Simon Sinek, he's a leadership speaker or Brene Brown speaking about emotions. And they're kind of like held up within our culture. It's like, yeah, these guys have the wisdom, like follow them. They, they, know, they know life. Flick on to the next one. If you grew up in the church, if you aced Sunday school, you would probably think of Solomon when you think of wisdom. Isn't he the one that wrote the Proverbs, the wisest man to ever live? Like, that's what wisdom is, the Proverbs, yeah? But if you think about the Proverbs, I don't know if you guys have read them, but there's also some, like, there's some super obscure stuff in there. Like, one of my favourites, which I'm like, just puzzle over this. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who sent him. Like, extremely practical. We can all walk out and apply that to life, right? You're like, hang on a second. Um, I used to think wisdom was a mashup of all those things. So a little bit of the kind of wise, white-bearded oracle, a bit of the kind of cultural stuff, a little bit of old people, and then obviously the Bible and, you know, Proverbs, because I did a Sunday school. Um, The truth is, though, I just didn't really think about wisdom much at all. It just didn't cross my radar until one day I actually sat down and I read the whole of the book of Proverbs from start to finish. And um, I was, it was probably about 12 years ago and I was working in a fashion store at the time and it was a very expensive store on Chapel Street and it was very quiet. We didn't have many customers, which was okay because the clothes were extremely expensive. So you only needed to sell like one or two things and you made your budget for the day. But it also meant I was so bored that I actually read the Bible. You know, I just, I sat down and I read the whole thing. But that day changed my life. Because I realised that I'd been missing something. And I want to read a couple of passages to you guys. It's probably a bit small up there for you all to see. So I'll read it out. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. Like, that's a pretty big claim, right? Better than silver and gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. When I think about all the things that I desire, I'm like, that, again, massive claim. Like, nothing I desire is as good as what wisdom can get me. Long life is in her right hand. Her left hand, in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. And when I think about this anxious and confusing world, and here is promises of paths of peace and pleasantness. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Here's another one, Proverbs 2.9. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. To me, I'm really visual and I think he has storehouses of wisdom, stores up wisdom for us, waiting for us. He is is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, so know what is right, understand what righteousness is, the impact it has on us, understand what is just 
and equity, every good path. Again, confusing world, don't know how to work, walk through it, you will know every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. If I haven't convinced you yet, there's a few more. These are just a couple of my favourite from promises from Proverbs. So wisdom is a fountain of life. Wisdom is its own reward. Wisdom will give you the power to keep the paths of righteousness. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Sleep will be sweet. It will bring you inherent honour, life and health to a whole man's body. Fruit, the fruit of wisdom is better than fine gold. It surpasses silver. It leads to wealth, honour, life. It's sweet to your soul. Like, these are incredible. It's like something we really need. It's also freely available. So in Proverbs 8.17, it says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Freely available. The big question for me when I read this and went, whoa, I need to think about wisdom, <laughs> was what is actually stopping us from getting it? Like, if, it, if these are all the promises of wisdom and we know that it's freely available to us, why are we not all obsessed with finding God's wisdom? Why does it seem so hard sometimes to find answers? It's a good question, right? I think there's three, I'm sure there's many more, but there's three big things that keep us from finding wisdom. And I just want to spend a little bit of time on these today. And they're probably not new news, but I'm a big believer that we need to just always remind ourselves of the basics because often the truth is just right in front of us. And I think that's what wisdom is. It is right there, ours for the taking, and we just need to remember to, to grab a hold of it. So the first one is that we don't know what wisdom looks like. And it's really hard to find something if you don't know what it looks like. And so unless we have a clear understanding of what wisdom is... It's going to be hard to find. The second one is that we don't know where wisdom is located. You know, like, it's in the Bible, but it's also in other places. So, like, what, where actually are we going to find this wisdom? And the third one is we don't necessarily know how to get it. Like, if we're actually to start searching for wisdom, um, how do we go about doing that? So, let's start with question number one. We don't know what wisdom looks like. If it's not all of the things that we just listed, what actually is it? So in my research and writing, I didn't find a definition of wisdom that I was like, yeah, that really nails what biblical, true biblical wisdom is. And so I've written one. I'm sure, again, there's probably many other ways you could describe it. But for me, this is the way that I was able to make sense of it in our language and in our world. So wisdom, it's a different way of living. It's discovering the truth about how life was designed to be. It's knowing the ways of God and in knowing them, being given access to the ways of life. So it's like when you know, you kind of access this slipstream. It doesn't necessarily make life easy, but it's so much better. And I just want to pull this apart a little bit. I think the key here is life was designed 
And again, I know most of you know this, but it's so good to remember, like life is not the outcome of this random sequence of events, but each part of life was crafted with intention and purpose. And like anything that's been designed, it's actually made to operate in a certain way, and there's other ways that it's not meant to work. And it's like these specific inputs yield specific results. So I'm not super IT savvy. Um, I dropped out of science as soon as I could. But I do know enough to know that when someone is coding, like a smart IT engineer person, software engineer, is coding an app or a program, they'll, they'll use a certain language. So back when I was at uni, it was like HTML. It's probably the only one I know. But I, anyone who's in the room who knows this stuff, please don't. Don't laugh at me, but there's there's lots of different like coding languages, and what's coded in makes within that ecosystem makes certain things possible and certain things not possible, right? In Proverbs three nineteen, it says, "The Lord by wisdom founded the earth; by understanding, He established the heavens." So what that's saying is, wisdom is the language that was used to design life. It is the language that was used to design life. So it's not just good advice. Wisdom is more than good advice. It's actually this operating system that defines how life was intended to function. So it's when we start understanding this original operating system, the way life was designed to work, we begin to learn the ways of God. And we work with the system not against it. And that's when, you know, when it's peace and pleasant, it's because we're working with the system, not fighting against it and constantly getting error messages. And that's when all those promises of Proverbs become our reality. Number two, we don't know where wisdom is located. So wisdom is in the Bible, 100%. There is so much wisdom in the Bible. That's probably one of our key sources to find wisdom. But where it gets confusing is wisdom isn't only in the Bible. So some old people do have wisdom. But age isn't the qualifier. Young people can have wisdom too. Sometimes we read things on our social media feeds and we might be scrolling through and we're like, oh, it hits you. And you're like, oh, that's, that's actually wisdom. Most of the time it's not, just putting out there, but occasionally it will be. The best way that I've been able to kind of understand how, like where wisdom is located is to explore a metaphor um, and kind of zoom out on the bigger picture of life. And this is like the meta-narrative, the big story of life. And spoiler alert here, you have probably all heard this story before many times. It's written on your heart and you know it inside out but it's worth just coming back to it. So we're going to flick on to the next one. Um, again, it's probably a little bit small. On my slides, it kind of builds, but the way that I've been able to understand where wisdom fits in life is to explore this idea, imagining that your life is a climb up a mountain. And sometimes when you're climbing up the mountain, it's like this beautiful meandering path and the sun is shining and you're like, life is good, this is beautiful. And other times, it's like, you're scrambling up rocks and the rain is coming down and you're like, this is a hard climb. But if we think about life as a climb up the mountain, God is the one who created the life mountain. 
So he knows its secrets. He knows where the paths are. He knows the dangers. He knows the start. He knows the end. He created the mountain of life. And then we have Jesus. So he came and he's the one who actually made the path through life. He made it possible for us to walk through life with God. He went before us and he gave us an example to follow. So it means that no matter how hard it is, no matter how steep the climb is, no matter how intense the weather we are facing is, we know that's possible because Jesus made the way. And then we've got the Holy Spirit. So he, I like to think of him in this metaphor as our tour guide. You know, like you wouldn't climb Mount Everest without one of the Sherpas who knows the way, who's done it a million times before. And so our Holy Spirit, he comes along and he's like, let me show you the way. Let me help you interpret the map. Let me, oh, don't go that way. Don't go that way. That's, that's, it looks like it's easier, but it's not. Go, go this way instead. It looks harder, but you'll thank me in the long run. And he's not just like a everyday tour guide. Like he's five-star absolute best. The Bible is our map up the mountain. And I've heard it said when I was growing up, I don't know if you've heard this before, but people told me the Bible was an instruction manual for life. And I find that confusing because I was like, well, there's a lot of instructions missing. Like it doesn't have everything. But it's actually a map that shows us the whole of the life mountain. It shows us the story from start to finish. And it shows that points different um, monuments and markers along the way. And it shows us the paths. But like any map, you actually have to learn to interpret it. So for those of you who grew up with like a Melways, which I'm old enough to have learned to drive with a Melways, um, you actually had to learn how to read the map. You didn't just plug something into a GPS and it gave you step-by-step instructions. You actually had to learn how to interpret the map because the signs and the signals on the map are different than the signs and signals that we use these days. But that's why we've got our Holy Spirit guide, because he helps us interpret the map. And then we've got the climate. And this is one that I, particularly in the world that I work in marketing, am so aware of, because the climate is the cultural climate that we live in. So we, um, every generation lives in a different, the climate is really different. And that will actually impact what we see and how we feel and what is going on in the world around us. And actually means it's really, really important. We're going to stop on this one in a little bit. It's really important for us to understand our cultural climate because it's what can kind of let us go, like it can lead us astray really easily. Um, And also our cultural climate can kind of put up signs that are false wisdom in a lot of ways. The final one, and this is how, um, this is where wisdom fits in, is that Wisdom, I see wisdom as signposts along the way. So some, t- some of the signposts are marked in the map that go, wisdom's way says this way, wisdom says this way. Sometimes you're going to find them along the road. They're in lots of different places. But as I said, we actually need our map to know that they're the right markers. We need the Holy Spirit to, to go, yeah, yeah, that's a truthful wisdom signpost we need the community around us to go oh I followed this one and it it was great you know and and helping point out what is the truthful marker and these signposts they mark the way of Jesus so what way Jesus walked and the ways of Jesus so how he actually walked 
up the mountain. So, as I said, the signposts are everywhere. They're not hidden. They're marked on the map. Some do take a bit more digging to discover, and they might be in unexpected places. Um, I think there's still a bit of a question of, like, why they can be hard to find. Um, one really practical thing is we need to learn how to interpret our map and read our Bible. And that means studying and actually spending time learning what the culture was like then and what the culture is now so it makes sense to us and becomes really practical. Sometimes we can become really familiar with the signposts. So, you know, you probably don't notice your own street sign. You know when you're looking for someone else's house, you're trying to navigate your way to someone else's house, you're looking at all the signs and you notice them. You're like, oh, yeah, that's the one I'm looking for. But you don't really look at your own street sign because you drive past it all the time. So sometimes we just become overly familiar and we forget that they're there. Sometimes it's because we're moving so fast through life that we don't actually see them. I think the other one, and I just want to pause on this for a moment, is that there's a lot of fake wisdom out there. Tell people, like it's telling people how to live is really big business. You can make a lot of money doing it. And so there's a lot of people who are wanting to tell us how to live. So I just wanted to take a really quick detour on this one. We're going to come back to our main three points and just talk about the climate. When we think about what's stopping us from finding God's wisdom, I think it can be really easy. Um, we'll flick on to the next one just to go, oh, well, it's our phones. It's because particularly young people, they're just so connected to their phones, you know? It stops them, like, they're just like this all the time. You see them on the trams and the trains and it's just like, ugh. And it is true. Like, our phones are a massive distraction and we live in this, like, really fast-paced, really digitally obsessed culture. Um, but it's, as I said before, it's kind of hard to know sometimes what parts of that are good and what parts of that are bad. Because, like, I still got my Bible on my phone and I connect with people on my phone. Um, and when we're so immersed in a culture, it can be really hard to actually see it, that whole, like, can't see the forest for the trees moment. So I just wanted to share, and again, something I'm super passionate about because I probably work <laughs> fueling some of this, um, is just three observations about our culture that can help us, if we're aware of them, help us then um, determine what is, what is God's wisdom and what is not. So the first thing to remember is that we live in the attention economy. So I don't know if you guys have heard much about this before, but it's not by accident that we're addicted to our phones. Like, it's actually by design. So there's a whole bunch of, like, some of the smartest people in the world right now and in designing and trying to engineer us to stay, like, to keep our attention because once they've got our attention, they can literally sell it on to the highest bidder. And so I'm, I won't read this whole quote just in the interest of time, but essentially it's saying, like, attention is the most valuable commodity in the world right now. Not gold, not silver, not any kind of currency or cryptocurrency, but our attention because that is... And that is what is fueling our global economy because every time we pick up a phone, that's a second or a few seconds or a few minutes that can be on-sold to an advertiser who wants then to buy that to sell their product to you or sell their message to you which is pretty crazy when you think about us becoming the product. And so this is not like, I don't want to be like, oh, this is a doomsday message. It's just an awareness. 
announcement, really, just to go, we kind of know this, but we need to actually remember. And again, with zero judgment, this is not about like doomsday, stop using your phone, tech companies are the enemy, but it's just to go, okay, this is not just a passive thing. Like, there are people out there who want to influence how we think and what we think a good life is, um, and it is radically reshaping the culture around us and, and the kind of the narratives that our culture believes. I think I've said that one, yeah. Truth is defined by the highest bidder. So, again, working in advertising, I kind of feel like I'm, like, part of the... I try and do good, guys, but I'm part of the issue here. Um, a lot of the things that the culture around us believe to be true um, and the ideas that we accept as normal are actually the result of really deliberate... Um, storytelling campaigns. People haven't just believed things because, like, that's how culture has evolved. It's, it's strategists behind the scenes who've gone, okay, how are we going to exploit people's needs and desires and, and actually shift the tide of culture to believe certain things? And, you, you know, I don't even need to name the things, but over the last 10 to 15 years, you would see Australia's attitude towards a lot of different topics has radically changed. That is not an accident. That has been people who have sat in planning and marketing rooms and decided this is the way that we're going to influence culture. And it means that truth, what, what our society believes to be truth, is just defined by whoever has the most money and the most influence rather than truth being absolute what the Bible says. Yeah? So I just want to call out a couple of these narratives because I think they're really helpful for us just to go, oh, yeah, it can be really easy just to think, oh, yeah, that's, that's true. And then when you hold it up next to the Bible and what God's, like, wisdom narrative, it's actually really different. And so I just want to, again, you know this, but it's good to remember every time I look at them, I'm like, yeah, that's true. So a couple quick ones. The first one, our world, our culture, says this thing. They say, live your own truth. Have you, hands up who's heard that? Like, live your own truth. Live, and you're like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, we believe in the truth. And it's kind of like, truth is this personal thing. Like, you decide what's true for you. I decide what's true for me. And then, you know, there's, there's nothing absolute. But wisdom says Jesus is the truth. He's at the centre of truth now and all times to all people throughout all of history. Jesus is always the truth. It's very different. Another one you might have heard. You do you. Who said that one? You do you, guys. You do you. You deserve to be living your best life. You know, fill your life with things that make you happy, you know, that bring you joy. And don't let the haters steal your joy. You know, that's important. You do you. Wisdom's narrative says lose your life to find it. Our lives are no longer our own. They belong to God. We choose to surrender our personal preferences in exchange for the joy of knowing God. Really different narrative. Another one. The world is stuffed. Read between the lines. It's probably a bit controversial for church, but you all know it. You all hear it all the time and see it on your feeds all the time. 
everything is screwed. Life is just pretty much meaningless. Like, just do what's good for you, whatever that looks like to you. YOLO, for anyone who doesn't know, you only live once. And that's what a lot, like... (laughs) (laughs) Great. Someone learned something new. This is good. Uh, But, and honestly, some, some of the young people in the room will probably go... I hear my friends say this kind of thing of just like, life's meaningless, like whatever, let's just live for now. It's really tragic and it's really true. Wisdom's narrative, Jesus saves. God saw the screwed upness of the world and he actioned a redemptive plan. Every life was worthy of saving, which means life is intrinsically meaningful. Here's another one. I'm working on myself right now. Heard that one before? Practice self-compassion, mindfulness. Remember, you know yourself best. Like, trust your gut. Everything happens for a reason. Um, It's all part of your journey. Something the universe will use to make you stronger. Wisdom's narrative. I am a new creation. I actually can't fix myself. It's impossible. We are all flawed. But Jesus, he gave us a new self. He made us complete, a completely new creation and set us up to live fully free lives. We don't need to work on ourselves anymore. There's a couple of others. I'm not going to go into them deeply, but there's this obsession in our world with instant We love everything on demand. I want it now. And yet, in wisdom's narrative, we have this God who is outside of time, who narrates life at a very different pace. And in my experience, it's often very slow. (laughs) Occasionally very fast, but lots of times it's really slow. There's this obsession in our world with progress and we're just talking this morning of how Victoria as a state is just so quote unquote progressive in their views and like every every part of progress is seen as better. Just keep progressing, you can only get better when you progress. And tradition, it's old, we don't want tradition. Whereas again, in God's narrative, wisdom's narrative, actually tradition is good. And there is this, like, totally different view, like this, like, foundations and truth that lie in the traditions. And there's another one, like, the, the definition of success. Very, very different in, in the culture that we live in versus what we read in the Bible. So depending on the subculture that you kind of walk in, success can look like many different things. It might be what you look like. It might be how much you earn. It might be your sporting achievements. It kind of depends on your your subculture that you happen to be walking in. Um, It might be wealth, fame. But again, wisdom's narrative, definition of success, it's just being a child of God, knowing God, living in his love. Like, we're already successful. So, bringing this back to how we find wisdom, we need to be more familiar with our Bible than we are with our culture. More familiar with our Bible than we are with our culture because otherwise, and I've been guilty of this in the past, 
you get swept up. It's just a little bit at first because you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That sounds good. You know those things, they sound good when you hear them first and then when you hold them up next to the Bible, you go, oh, they are so off. They're not the truth at all. And so that's what, like, we don't just read our Bible because Liam gets up here and says, read your Bible this week, guys. Like, we read our Bible so that we can find the paths of wisdom and stay in them. So that we can actually go, hey, I see all that stuff in court. That's not true. This is true. It's to anchor us in the truth and in the way of Jesus. Number three, coming back to our questions, we don't necessarily know how to get wisdom. I am, I don't know about you guys, probably, there's probably some other people like this in the room, I'm a professional Googler. I can find anything in a very short period of time. I know how to stalk people, very good at it. And, on, and honestly, I kind of joke, but in my job, because I do a lot of research, I actually literally Google for a living, like trying to just find insights and research and answers. Um, the truth is, though, while I think I'm the one searching, actually, most of the stuff is just being served up to me. As we said before, I am just a consumer who is being served the content that someone wants me to find. The content just comes to me. And you would know, I'm sure we've all had this conversation before, going, how do the ads that come into my feed happen? Like, I just had a conversation about this, and then I get this ad about it. And you're like, how do they know? Just everything we, we need or actually don't need comes straight to us. Whereas wisdom is something we actually really learn to, how to find. It's not going to be served up to us. And I don't want to, you to get me wrong here, like it's, it's not impossible, it's not hard to find, but we actually need to learn how to find it and we need to choose to go looking for it. There's another metaphor in Proverbs, and I just love this. It explains it so well. Um, Proverbs uses this poetic device, and it talks about Lady Wisdom and Madam Whore. And this is the message translation, which I find really easy to kind of grab a hold of. So we start with Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom goes to town. She stands in a prominent place and invites everyone within earshot of her voice are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Come. Come with me. Have dinner with me. I prepared a wonderful spread, fresh baked bread, roast lamb, carefully selected wine. Sounds great. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. Then there's this other woman. Madam Whore, brazen, empty-headed, frivolous. She sits on the front porch of her house on Main Street, mainstream, we could say, and as people walk by, minding their own business, calls out, are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Steal off with me. I'll show you a good time. No one will ever know. I'll give you the time of your life. But they don't know about all the skeletons in her closet that all her guests end up in hell. You put these two side by side. You know what's really interesting to me? Might be hard to read. They both start with the same question. Are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on. Same question. But Lady Wisdom, she stands in a prominent place 
and invites everyone within a sound of her voice. So you actually have to be listening to hear her because she's not shouting. It's just anyone who's within earshot. Whereas Madame Hoare, she actually yells at people as they walk by. And again, I think of our culture and I think of all the constant interruptions and notifications we get and the, the constant like yelling, like distraction, distraction, distraction. Like she's distracting people on the way. Come, are you confused about life? I've got the answers. But Lady Wisdom promises a life with meaning. Madame Hoare promises the time of your life. Again, is that an amazing metaphor for the world that we live in? That we can seek out wisdom and seek out God's ways and find a life with meaning? Or we can follow culture's version, maybe have the time of our lives, doesn't lead anywhere good. And so there's two options and one choice that we get to make. So we can allow the interruptions of mainstream and the culture to direct us, um, to answer our questions and solve our confusion. We can Google our way to answers when we have... And I, again, I would put my hand up and say, I'm guilty of this when I have a problem or something I want to know. How much easier is it just to pull out your phone and start Googling than it is to go, actually, Holy Spirit, what's your wisdom on this? Where should I look? And maybe that is to Google something, but maybe it's to look straight in my Bible or to talk to someone who has the answer within my community, like actually just where are we looking first? So we're invited to a life with meaning. And I just want to encourage you today, this isn't new news, like wisdom is old and there's nothing new about it. I've just packaged it up maybe in a slightly different way. But when I was praying about coming here, I just felt like the Lord said, if you can just ignite a hunger for wisdom, my wisdom, then you've done your job. And so I just encourage you and implore you to stir up your hearts for God's wisdom. To actually go looking for it. To learn how to read your map. Because there's so much wisdom in there and it isn't just obscure stuff. It is practical And it will show you how to navigate life, even in 2022, with all the crazy things that are happening. I'd encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit just to help you find wisdom. Hey, Holy Spirit, can you point out the signposts of wisdom here in this moment? In what's going on right now and the decisions I have to make. I'd also encourage you just to be aware of the culture. Not afraid of it. Just aware that there are forces happening in the world around us that are wanting to distract us, that are wanting to pull us off the path. Just be aware that we don't get swept up in them. And I want to just come back to the great promise of wisdom. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. In James 1.5, this is one of my favourite verses, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Wisdom is ours. It's part of our inheritance. It's ours for the taking. We just need to ask for it and pursue it. Seek it out. So I just want to end with prayer, and I would just encourage you to join me as we just ask God to give us a hunger for wisdom.
and to help us to find it. Father God, we just thank you that you have set us up for success, that you know life in 2022. You know what we're walking through. You know the world that we're in and you have the answers. And Father, right now in this moment, I pray that you will just ignite in each of us a hunger for your wisdom and you will show us how to find it how to navigate it. I pray that you'll give us a a renewed hunger for your word. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come this week and show us how to walk seeking your wisdom and seeing the signposts that you've laid out for us. I just thank you, God, that you promise that you will give us wisdom. What a great gift. Let's pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. One more thing as well. Just when I was um, praying about coming here, I just felt like um, just to share something that might encourage someone or a few people here to be encouraged by it. Um, I, I shared a bit at the start that obviously 2020, 2021 was a bit of a crazy time in my life. And um, probably early, about it, just over a year ago, Um, all of those kind of things came to a bit of a climax where I think we all knew, like, we all went into another lockdown. I was living alone. The relationship that I was in sort of ended really in a really awful way. And I just was like, I am exhausted, God. Like, I was working in a job, like, freelancing in a job I didn't really like and I felt was kind of, if I'm honest, I was like, I'm I'm really overqualified for this. And so I felt like professionally things were bad. Personally, things were bad. I was like... Really, at this point, when I was like, God, the, the, I really questioned God, and his, I knew he was good, but I was like, this is not, this is not okay. Like, I've done everything for you, <laughs> which is not okay to say that, but that's where I was at. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to focus on what I'm doing and not what I haven't done, because I felt like I had all these promises and prophetic words over my life that just were just sitting there, dormant, nothing happening. And I was like, okay, focus on what you're doing. And the one thing I felt like his Holy Spirit was moving on in my life was to write this book and finish this book. And so with gritted teeth, I was like, I got up every day. I worked right in the morning. I'd work from home. Every weekend I spent just alone in lockdown writing this book and finishing it off. And I can tell, like... It's hard to describe the joy that I got from that, even though everything else in my life felt like it was just a total mess. Just being faithful to the thing and looking at what he was doing, not what he hadn't done. And then in the six or seven months since then, he has brought me into this incredible job that I am growing and learning and love and probably one of those places that you're like, oh, I'd love to work there one day. It's like one of the best ad agencies in Australia. And it just like fell into my lap. He brought me, as Liam said, like... um, you know, introduced me to the wonderful man, the loveliest man I've ever met. And that's been such a fulfillment of a promise and a prayer over my life for so many years. And just like, actually just all these things just suddenly started accelerating. And I just felt to share that, to acknowledge, like, first of all, just to say, like, how kind and generous God is. But I also felt like there's people here who are like, feeling like the season I'm in has gone too long. And I'm stuck here and I'm missing out. And I just felt to encourage you, focus on what God is doing 
And when Liam shared this morning about disappointment and shame being a part, I felt just this resonance with that of that disappointment of like, God, you haven't fulfilled the promises. This is not where life was meant to be. And I just want to encourage you, like you are not missing out. You are where you need to be. Focus, choose to focus on what God is doing because he will bring the future and he will bring the promises. All you need to do is focus and be faithful. Focus and be faithful to what he is doing right now and he will bring you into the promises. So that is just for someone or some people here. Awesome. Thanks, Taryn. Come on. Yeah, bless her, bless her.